don't get caught up in comparing yourself to other artists. There's, there will always be somebody who's better than you at art. Comparison is a thief of joy. This is the Bold Artist Podcast, where we talk about being brave and finding creative freedom. You want to get those beautiful things inside of your head out onto canvas? We're going to talk to real-life artists and learn the skills and the courage it takes to do just that. I'm your host, Mary Janelle, a multi-form artist and creativity mentor, joined often by my co-host, Sharla Marskalk, painter of colorful portraits and founder of Bold School, an online space to learn bold color painting. Welcome, and let's get started with today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the Bold Artist Podcast. We're so happy to have you here, whether you're listening on audio or watching on YouTube on the Bold School channel. Welcome to the show. Today we have guest artist Stephen Walden of St. Louis, Missouri. Stephen is a bold color painter of sports and pop culture. His work has raised just under half a million dollars for charity at the time of this interview, and that's quite remarkable. Stephen's gonna tell us the story of how his paintings have raised money for charity, but more than that, We're going to get to know Stephen's heart and how he's a man of great empathy, caring so much for other people, and how he found the purpose of his life through helping other people through his artwork. And Stephen's also going to share with us how resistance is sometimes a clue to our insecurities and our fears of failure and how we can push through those obstacles and reach new levels in our life as an artist. Let's go right on over and get to know Stephen Walden. Stephen, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Could we start out by hearing a little bit more about you and your artwork? Yeah, so uh, thanks so much for having me here. Uh, I've been looking forward to it ever since you sent an email uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, I am an artist who is based in St. Louis. I am an accidental artist in that I didn't know that I could paint until about five years ago or so, and so stumbled into it by accident from uh, pursuing another career. But since I've been doing that, uh, I've helped raise money for charities around the country. Uh, I'm I'm right under half a million at different charity events uh, across the country, and I specialize in sports and pop culture and uh, portraiture. Uh, I paint architecture and buildings, but I hate it. Uh, (laughs) And uh, and yeah, and I've always used color in my palette, uh, bold color, uh, and I even used that word before I even discovered Charla last year in her courses. Um, But uh, it's... uh, it, it, it was just a natural fit when I did discover the course uh, mm-hmm. last year. So Yeah. Well, wow, that is excellent glimpse into your life. There's so much that I just want to ask right from that little <laughs> introduction there. So let's start first by uh, you telling us a little bit about this charity work. This really intrigued me. So uh, tell me about that, Stephen. What do you do for charity and how do your paintings connect into that? Yeah, so I have to probably tell a little bit about my story. And okay. that I was pers- yeah. so when I discovered that I could do art, I was pursuing my master's uh, to be a therapist. And along the way, I took an art therapy class as mm-hmm. an elective. And that's when I discovered that I could paint. And my classmate said, hey, you're really good at this. You should, you know, put your artwork out there. And I'm like, 
whatever, you guys are just saying this just because you love me. And, um, but I did eventually. And uh, my artwork got accepted into a local show here in St. Louis and someone saw my work and they said, hey, we like your work, you should be in this other show. And it just started to kind of build from there. And this was also happening around the time when I was getting ready to graduate. And, um, and also going through some other ma uh, major life changes, which we can talk about later. But I started to look at what would it look like if I, if, if I were to be a professional artist. Mm -hmm. And um, I looked at what entry level uh, people with their masters in professional counseling were making. And I'm like, I think I can do that with my art. Um, I love that uh, attitude, by the way. I love that attitude. <laughs> well, it's, it's because it's just so sad what entry level people make with their uh, masters in mental health. Um, but I... I threw my hat over the wall and I decided that, okay, well, if I'm going to do this and it's not going to be just a solitary act where, which art often can be, yes. uh, how can I use my work to help other people? That's the whole reason why I quit my other job as a copywriter and a technical writer to become a therapist is I wanted to help mm -hmm. other people. Mm -hmm. And when I discovered that I could do art, I'm like, oh, this fulfills this creative side of me, but it, how do I check that box for, helping others mm -hmm. and I since I live in St. Louis I thought well if I'm going to create something I want to create something where an audience already exists and in St. Louis there are a couple of major passions here there is the baseball team the St. Louis Cardinals and also we have toasted ravioli which if you've never had it is amazing it's ravioli but deep fried basically um, yes, and, and, so and I, I quickly need to interject that you also learned something new about your St. Louis today <laughs> yes, from me, because yes. <laughs> I, I said to you that I thought there was a pretty famous chess sculpture in St. Louis, and you didn't know that yet. So <laughs> that, I didn't know, yeah, largest chess piece. It's yeah. somewhere here in St. Louis, so yeah, it's a wonder so, I haven't seen it. So you can add that to the ravioli and the baseball list. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Who yes. knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do it eventually. Yes. Um, so in uh, looking at what a art career would look like and how I could help other people if, you know, and, and also if I was going to go down the route of doing sports art, I thought, well, what if I started to join up with uh, athletes who are humanitarians? And I started to, and St. Louis has been fortunate enough to have some really wonderful ones, specifically a picture for the St. Louis Cardinals, Adam Wainwright, mm -hmm. and our, uh, the Hall of Fame NFL quarterback, Kurt Warner, used to play for the Rams, now plays for the Arizona Cardinals, and uh, Ozzie Smith, also another baseball player, uh, and doing events with the Blues, the, our hockey team as well. And regardless, uh, way led on to way in that I reached out to Adam and I said, hey, I know you've got this charity. I would love to do a piece for you. Mm. We could, I could paint it live at your event and then we could auction it off to help raise funds for your event. And he said, absolutely. He tweeted me out. There's a whole story that goes along with that. My phone blew up and that really, it put me on a fast track uh, mm. to, and opened a lot of doors in other ways, like with Kurt and with Ozzy and with mm. a number of other uh, charities and uh other sports franchises as well and so it was uh it, it really was a kind of butterfly effect of mm -hmm. you know it flapped its wings and man that butterfly just took me to places i did not expect to go but it's the hardest job i've ever had it's the hardest i've ever had to work but it's the most rewarding and the best job i've ever had mm, wow and so how did you uh discover the bold color painting and even bold school you mentioned yeah, so like I said, I had decided that 
I, when I first started painting, I wanted to use, uh, I, I wanted my style to be distinctive mm -hmm. and that I was, I, I knew enough about sports artwork that was out there and a lot of it is very, um, it's very naturalistic, it's very realistic. There's not a lot of the artist that's interjected into the piece itself because that sells, you know, it's not mm -hmm. hard to understand. There's no risk that's involved and I don't mean to, to denigrate that, but mm -hmm. it's easy, but I also knew enough from my background as a copywriter that I wanted my artwork to be recognizable from 20 feet and someone mm -hmm. to be able to recognize it within three seconds. Mm -hmm. And I, I love Leroy Neiman, who I know he gets a lot of crap, uh, but uh, I loved him, I come from a comics background and because I'm a nerd and loving bright colors Jack Kirby Alex Ross um, loving uh, that style and, and just garish colors I thought what if I applied this to sports it would be a unique way to make a uh, to make my own imprint in the region mm -hmm. and it did okay so that was in 2015 ish mm -hmm. and as uh, as time went on I felt like that my artwork had plateaued in the sense that it felt a little samey and I wasn't sure how to challenge myself. Mm -hmm. Oh, the other thing is that I'm all self-taught. Mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. never had a class before outside mm -hmm. of uh, I had to take uh, some classes in high school where I drew and I did, I did like drawing uh, for a time and then I began to hate it in high school. And then I had to take a, a mandatory art appreciation uh, in art class in college and I absolutely hated it. And I think I even made a C in it, so so, which is so funny uh, to think about it now. Um, but I, uh, I saw another artist friend of mine, Tim Kent Moore, he posted on Facebook, this was early 2020, that he had done a colorful pet portrait and uh, from uh, from Charlotte's class, and Tim's also an established artist, and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I think it was a pug. It was a pug okay. puppy, and it was fantastic. I'm like, this is this is it. This is like, it felt like a doorway to figuring out how can I take someone who I get or who gets me and is similar in my work, but also different in that I could tell that it was at another level, mm -hmm, and that I felt mm -hmm. like I was like I said, plateau, I was coasting. How can I go up? Yeah. And I, the pandemic had just happened. Things were locked down. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to have some downtime. So I'm going to uh, commit to this class. And I did. And it's uh, honestly, uh, Mary Janelle, I think it's one of the best decisions I've ever made mm -hmm. in, in taking Charlotte's course. And I'm so grateful uh, mm -hmm. for what she puts out there and uh, just, you know, th the tone that she approaches her her work and her students and her audience. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and I'm just uh, I know that I'm also living my best life when I'm I'm at my most grateful. And I, yeah. I would be remiss to not, to not mention that. So thank you, Charla. For those of you listening and watching and aren't quite sure um, which class Stephen's referring to, I'm sure it's the Bold Color Boot Camp at Bold School that, yes. um, that really made a radical change there and helped you to level up. I love how you described it as sometimes we hit that plateau in our artistry and we just need that person even one step or a few steps ahead to just pull us up to the next level and and help us make a breakthrough <laughs> artistically yeah. so it's a funny story in that uh, it was probably about three or four years ago and or maybe three years ago and i had all of my work displayed for an exhibit and it was a huge show and I had probably about 20, 25 pieces where you could see them all together. 
And that's not something that I don't think that a lot of artists do. I, for me, it's that I paint a piece and then I, I put it away. It's on to the next one. I don't have that much room to display all my stuff, nor do I display all my stuff. Um, to me, it feels like I would be hanging pictures of myself around my house. Mm -hmm. uh, but someone who knew me very well, they, they looked at my work and they said, you know, it just all looks a little samey. Mm -hmm. And that pissed me off mm -hmm. in that. And I got mm -hmm. really defensive. Not, not to him personally, but mm -hmm. uh, oh, I was mm -hmm. stewing about it, which that's how I process criticism, right? Is I got to get really <laughs> pissed off and I got to go sulk about it. And then like, okay, I go eat my chocolate cake and then, you know, that helps me absorb the emotion. And then uh, the more that I thought about it, I'm like, he's right. He's absolutely right. You know, I think often, you know, the things that make us angry are things that are true. And uh, the and we also lie best when we lie to ourselves because I was thinking, oh, you know, no, I'm, I'm fine. I, they are different enough. Or it's like it was intentional because you know mm -hmm. you could see it was a branding it was you know it's part of my my look and I'm like well was it or was it that I had gotten comfortable and that's how my right. pieces started to look and also I yeah. didn't know where to go I didn't yeah. I didn't have anyone to show me how to do differently because again you know like I said I did I don't have any training so I was like mm -hmm. reverse engineering retrofitting um, or not even at that point it, it was just I didn't know where to go mm -hmm. so um, and that was probably like I don't know a couple of years before I discovered bold school and then mm. when I did it was just I, it was Neo from the Matrix I started to see mm. the code you know of, of everything that existed behind uh, of what makes some artwork work and what mm. was what it was so frustrating to me and why I would look at a piece when I would be done with it I'm like man why is this piece not as good as the other one it gave me a vocabulary mm -hmm. to talk about and, and a roadmap to talk about not only mm -hmm. what was wrong with those or how I could critique my previous work but how could I apply that to my future work and mm -hmm. where before I felt like that everything that I would create uh, I was in a rut and that it was very samey very similar I'm like okay it's on to the next one almost like production line mm -hmm. to that now I look forward to the next piece because I want, I'm going to be surprised by it in that I don't know where it's going to lead. And a lot of that mm -hmm. is with color palette mm -hmm. and um, not knowing uh, what doors are going to unfold because I've gotten a little, I've, I've gotten a lot formulaic with my work. And this is, I mean, I'm, we're talking, since I'm talking to, we're talking to uh, an audience that's interested in art and like the, mm -hmm. the nuts and bolts Absolutely. of this. This is, mm -hmm. this is like not, not stuff that I talk about to like, you know, with public facing, you know, they'll look like, <laughs> oh, your stuff right. is great and whatever, which is, yeah. which, you know, it feels good, but that doesn't help you yeah. grow as an artist. Yeah. So, you know, we're getting, exactly. I'm showing you how the sausage is made, right? Right. And, uh, and that uh, being able to apply that to my, my upcoming works and I can always see like, when I finish something, I'm like, okay, I like this and this about it, but man, I could have done this differently. Right. And also, it's that being able to let a piece go and not continue to mess with it, because mm -hmm. that's just going to take mm -hmm. away time for me moving on to the next one. Mm -hmm. And that work is so busy right now that I don't have a lot of time to do that. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, it, it is, it's like hustle, mm -hmm. hustle, move on to the next one, which is mm -hmm. because, I mean, we're recording this in late 2021. And a lot of things have opened up again. And to me, the last three months have been like it, it, 2020 and 2021. The first half of it have been trying to they, they've tried to cram themselves into the last three months. And it has mm -hmm. been exhausting. I've been the busiest I've ever been. It's mm -hmm. and again, the hardest I've ever worked. And so now it's like I'm taking some I'm, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit and uh, 
and reminding myself to do that because that's also a struggle is that work-life balance when you work from home when your studio is in your home to have that balance and if you're if you work from home then you're always at work I mean it's great for the commute but in terms of (laughs) you know the mental health break it's not as much Yeah, I get that too, because I work from home as well. So Stephen, you mentioned having this same, same look on your work for so long and someone mentioning it, just like stirring up all these feelings. And so uh, what would have been for you something like a a real practical tip or a real practical um, skill that you learned that began to differentiate your pieces and first level them up, but then also help them to stand apart from even from each other? Uh, A couple of things stand out. Number one is learning the importance. And uh, importance is too small of a word, Mm. but just the foundational impact of understanding values Mm. and how important that is to making sure that a piece is going to work or not and that it is it is literally like the foundation of a house if Mm. you don't have sound values in your piece you are no matter how beautiful the house is you're building on quicksand it Mm -hmm. will not stand Mm -hmm. that was a big one and what i did (laughs) i'm such a nerd i may have to step away and and grab uh my example of what i did i it's it's such a okay the ones on youtube will appreciate seeing it if you you want to grab it it and show it okay i'll be right back but it's a total it's it's a it's for my teacher's pets out there, for the nerds who like to do the extra homework, yeah. this is you're going to be very happy about this. I'll be okay. right back. I'll go grab it. I can't wait to see what this is. I have no <laughs> idea what to expect. Yeah, it's, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. And uh, we'll be but, sure to describe it for our audio listeners as well. But YouTube yeah. will have a special... A special preview here of whatever it is Stephen Walden's going to pull <laughs> out for us. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm assuming it has something to do with values. We were talking about it learning does. values. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing is this thing, um, uh-huh. which is a value finder. I have one of those value. too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Right. Which is in our, our you know, our, I don't know, our, our school supplies list mm-hmm. that we have mm-hmm. to get. Um, so so just to describe that for our audio listeners, it's a, called a grayscale. It has um, values starting at white to black. And I believe, am I correct, Stephen, that white is the one, number one and then yes. up to the darker colors being labeled up to nine or ten. Right. Yeah. Mine are it's uh, it's, you know, white, of course, is going to be for on, on this one, which is this is made by the Pixis. Corporation P I X I S S. There's a plug for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you I got mine on Amazon, um, but it starts uh, at 100% black, and then as it moves down, we got 90, 90, 80, 70, 60, all the way down to 10%. And then of course zero would be white. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I realized, oh well, paints that just come out of the tube, they already have a a, a starting value of where they are. So I thought, well, what if I went through all of my paints and I mapped out to figure out, well, what would be the starting value of a, um, for instance, a Liquitex Parole Orange? What would that be? And Mm -hmm. so what I did is I went through every single paint that I had and I made a grid of 
And this is like stuff that probably, I mean, I don't think that it would be this obsessive in art school, but I just went through and I assigned everything a value. And that way I would know where they, where a color existed on this scale. Yes, yeah, so for the audio listeners, Stephen's holding up a chart that he made that has different colors in different values of all. I'm, I'm assuming they're his, the paints that you have in your studio mm -hmm. that you, yes. you mapped out all the values on a chart, on a piece of paper. <laughs> and yes. so it's a reference for you. I love it. And, I, and not only that, but so I, I also did that um, to the point that now I have a binder. A that book, this is, a whole book. Yeah. It'll be the this Stephen is, Walden color book before yeah. you know it. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, and it, it became essentially a Bible, and then I took that and I converted that into an Excel spreadsheet where wow. they, I'm, not, I'm not this guy. I don't even, I hate spreadsheets, but it's like, <laughs> it just gave me a categorical way to break down and to demystify color. Um, and so Wonderful. it gave me a way to, yeah, it, it really, it changed. Just like when I took dance classes and how it changed the way that I heard music mm -hmm. and I would hear rhythm and how my body would move to it. Mm -hmm. Charlotte's class changed the way that I saw color, that mm -hmm. I saw the world. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Thank you There's for sharing that. There's a drop for you. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And I love the big binder that you've made full of all your colors. And that's definitely, you know, I got the answer that I was looking for. I said, how did you move things from being same, same? And it sounds like study was a big part of that where, you know, sometimes we feel like we need to experiment more or push the boundaries of just brush strokes more. But, but then there's this other element of actually getting down to study and that study can push our boundaries. That's a pretty remarkable concept, just to push through the boundaries with study. In terms of being bold, you are, it's very clear through your artwork that you use bold colors and you use that word bold even long before you discovered bold school. Um, but as far as being bold and making these bold moves and risks, putting yourself out there as an artist, what has that journey looked like for you, Stephen? Um, it is it, there there's there's something about embracing rejection and not in the sense of rejection is ever going to feel good or failure is going to feel good but to understand that it's part of the process and you're you're not a failure when you mm -hmm. fail as long as you it's so cliche as long as you get back up you only have if you fail 50 times you know mm -hmm. you only have to succeed once and mm -hmm. and in that it's that uh knowing the risks that i've taken i've been rejected tons of times and as mm -hmm. as creatives often do we feel rejection very intensely and very deeply mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i i see that in the class and a lot in the boot camp and when people will what i what i see is you know they'll they'll post their color strings and their palettes and like oh this is how does this look or they'll post you know the the supplies they just bought <laughs> and i think sometimes yes it, it's because they're genuinely excited and they have this together but i also know that there's that fear of oh my God, what if I do this, you know, little Kenyan girl and I totally screw her up, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, mm -hmm. well, you're gonna screw up, you know, but embrace mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And that um, one of my favorite sayings is that sometimes creating, it's just, it's like making pancakes. You are mm -hmm. going to screw up, but you know, you still get pancakes, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you're going to screw up, but you, as long as you're doing it thoughtfully and with intention and you're mm -hmm. paying attention to what 
is going on and you are able to reflect on it and say like, okay, well, what went wrong with this piece? Or, or what, what made this piece not necessarily as strong as I, I wanted it to be or as it was in my mind's eye? As long as you're doing those things and you're open to feedback and changing and revisiting what we've done, what you've done before, then I think that's, that's your way out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in all of the bold moves and risks that you've made as an artist, what has been one of your biggest highlights that's happened in your art career? doing speed paintings um like like david garibaldi the performance art getting in front of a crowd painting mm-hmm. something upside down within a few minutes and then flipping it and then you know having the ooh and wow. ah. yeah. uh, doing that uh, for the st louis cardinals at their off-season uh, fan convention mm-hmm. at winter warm-up um, this happens uh, every january i did that back in 18 and i told them that i wanted to do it even before i knew how to do it i you know because i'd done i'd done work for them before and helped them raise a lot of money and they had trusted me and you know they were like well, what do you want to do this this upcoming year and i said i want to do a speed painting and like okay cool let's do it and i was like oh crap now i got to figure out how to do a speed painting i had no idea uh so <laughs> yeah. um it was it was throwing so it's like <laughs> man there's a fine line between bold and stupid um <laughs> and that uh i spent my christmas break uh i committed to this like in an october but i didn't even rehearse because they were like oh can we see like you know maybe some example of what you've done i'm like yeah yeah yeah. i'll get to it sorry i just haven't been able to because of weather or whatever it's like i hadn't done it at all it's procrastinating and it was the week before i taught myself how to do an upside down portrait speed painting of stan musial and and i did it at the event and it was a huge hit and it helped them raise a lot of money and it was you know people still to this day they come up to me and they say you did that upside down stand usual piece i'm like yeah i did and you know i didn't know how to do it until like 10 days before the event so and i was very proud of myself after that um so it's i think you know it there's something about and i'm pretty sure that i've stolen this from brene brown but you know um being courage is doing something and not knowing the outcome mm-hmm. uh not knowing what the result will be and and yeah there was a lot of risk uh, that was involved in that and mm-hmm. that you know i could have totally failed on stage or mm-hmm. i could have had to go to the cardinals and say i'm sorry i can't do this even though i told you i was going to but i didn't and yeah. um yeah and i was i was very very proud of myself in that moment that is a huge highlight and just to recap it because there's so much there that i'm amazed by that you promised the colonels you were gonna speed paint for them before yeah. you even knew how to speed paint and then you <laughs> painted someone upside down and flipped it over and surprised them <laughs> yeah. that blows yeah. my mind <laughs> that that blows my mind that is a highlight and definitely something to be proud of <laughs> yeah thank you yeah I, yes. I uh i painted myself into a corner so to speak so <laughs> I love it. I love it. So how do you approach your color palette and starting a piece? How much of it do you plan? How much of the painting dictates to you what it's asking for? Um, What does that look like for you, Stephen? That has been something that um, I haven't, I've only recently started to figure that part of it out the values came first and then the color palette Mm -hmm. came next and it's funny because when i very first started um going down this path i was i 
I was dating a actually an art professor um, and we had all these great conversations about I wasn't in class you know this is this is like, <laughs> this is like five years ago uh, but this was uh, and she talked about you know about me defining what my palette would be and I thought that was so weird I'm like what do you mean defining your palette you've got all the colors in the world and I didn't realize that there would be colors that I would glom on to and there's some that I would reject and just have a distaste for. I know Axel has talked about uh, having discomfort with green before mm-hmm. and um, Axel Martinez, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. He's yes. a mentor in Bold School and has been on the podcast as well. Yes. yes. And he's I my number one hype epi- man. Okay. I believe episode four, if my memory yes. is serving me. Yes. 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 Great episode. Great guy. I love his mm-hmm. energy. Uh, mm-hmm. Love you, Axel. Uh, but um, but he, he mentioned that and that I was like, yeah, it's like I, I typically I steer clear of green. Um, but then someone um, uh, talked about the color harmony wheel, uh, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting uh, device that uh, it, it helps you define what your dominant colors will be, what your complements will be, and then what your accents will be. And I've started to play around with that. I still fight against it. Um, one time that I gave into it, I thought it turned out to be an absolutely fantastic piece that I was very proud of because I, it used a lot of green and a color <laughs> that I had a lot of discomfort with. And I was just, I loved how it turned out. Um, but uh, trying to use more of that in the future. And again, the surprising thing to me is how much I have tried to roadmap out things that I thought I thought art only had to be intuitive. And if you tried to put a language around it or if you tried to define it, put a vocabulary around it, it by demystifying it, it would, mm-hmm. you know, it would make it not special or it would make the mm-hmm. art suck mm-hmm. or prosaic or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's been the opposite. It's like, mm-hmm. um, you know, n- trying all the ingredients in a kitchen and then you learn you know which ones that you you do gravitate towards but mm-hmm. then to learn uh how to uh you know are not even in that i think there's something about learning more about cooking science if we go with that that path it's all to say that the more that i've learned the more that it has uh, uh knocked down those insecurities which really that's what that that resistance is about you know, it's about an insecurity of, I'm, it, it is, it's also that fear of failing of like, mm-hmm. if I use this, I'm going to screw it up or I'm going to mess it up. And, yeah. you know, I, I know that that's, that's certainly what's informed that. Mm-hmm. I've heard so many good things. You said a little bit earlier, you said, if, you know, even if you fall down 50 times, this is as long as you get back up. And then just now you said the resistance is about insecurity and the fear of failing. That's so much good food for thought, just because we all, as artists, we have resistance come against us and reasons why it's so hard to get a painting out or it's so hard to um, sometimes just even just be there as an artist. We, we have feelings like, do I belong here? Is this important? Do I have value here? And uh, it was it's even something Charla and I were talking about earlier today. We were recording a podcast and talking about the value inside of an artist bringing that their their self-worth comes out as they produce art and then even monetize the art. And I'm hearing that in what you're saying, where where you're saying that resistance has something to do with that. It's, it has to do with your insecurities and, and when we begin to overcome that, things get easier. <laughs> Where we, yeah. we kind of rise above 
all of that uh, resistance into a, a new I, space. I think there's something about embracing those moments too, and that that's interesting, like to be aware of it. Like there's nothing wrong with having insecurities or resistance. Mm-hmm. I think those are, that's actually, that's great if that's happening. If you're not having those moments and you're coasting along, that's that's like where I was pre-Sharla in mm-hmm. that I was, I had gotten into a, a comfort groove that I had stayed in for so long it became a rut mm-hmm. and when that resistance comes along be mindful of it be intentional you know like sit it in a corner be like hey I know you're not here to hurt me mm-hmm. but let's let's really unpack this and see what's going on why am why am I resistant to this mm-hmm. what is that about uh, what what is the what is this fear that's going on? What what am I afraid is going to happen? What's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. You know, start pulling at those threads and and embracing that. Like I I love it when I surprise myself with either you know like if a fear comes up or uh, it, it, any time that something new comes up. I mean that's that is uh, I don't know. There's just something that's exciting about that. Like oh I didn't know that that was there. It's like I. I, because I think that's that's an indicator of depth and complexity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's the people that aren't willing to explore those nooks and crannies of themselves that, mm-hmm. you know, those are the ones that are not as interesting. Yes, I have learned that about being an artist is it's definitely a lot of self-reflection, a lot of <laughs> what you just said, searching the nooks and crannies of yourself, understanding all that's in there, and then bringing it out for the world to see. Mm-hmm. And that's such a beautiful part of the process and that that piece of final work even the ones I'm seeing behind you here the ones on YouTube can see it behind you some of your pieces that isn't those pieces aren't just you know a painting you happen to do they're an accumulation of life experiences that come out through your brush and your paint and that's something I think the world doesn't understand about art and artists is that there's just so much inside that comes out, you know, all of life experiences come out through our art. So in the beginning of the podcast, when you shared with me about uh, using your work to raise funds and charity, one of the things you said that really stood out to me was your desire to help other people. And I've heard that as a continual thread through your conversation of just your desire as a person, as a human being, to help another human being, and that your art is this bridge. Can you elaborate on that a little bit about what it really means to you as an individual, Stephen, to be making a difference? Where does that come from in your life? Mm, uh, existential crisis. Um, it's a thing that sent me into therapy to go to personal therapy. It was when I had, I this was you know, probably about... 15 years ago when I got a corporate job that was paying incredibly well and I realized I, you know I was making you know great money and I was able to get all the toys that I wanted but at the end of the day I was like is this is this really what it's all about is this you know going to be my holding pattern for the rest of my life because something was missing and that that thing to me was purpose and meaning and that it was only being purposeful for me and because it was helping me get more stuff and how could I help other people that was the thing that I unlocked and going through my own therapy and realizing I want to help other people which is the thing that you know made me decide to become a therapist Uh, and then when I realized that well okay well if I'm going to be an artist how can I help other people 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and also before that, before I went corporate, I was a teacher. Um, I taught uh, English at the college level in writing. Um, and wow. yeah, and so and I, but I loved I loved you know working with people and helping them and helping them understand things, and you know it, it, that that to me gave me meaning. Uh, it's mm-hmm. that I don't know what the purpose of life is. I, I know what mine is is that to leave it leave the earth a better place than when I came into it you know, mm. to help other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not just about me. I have to do something that to, to serve something that's bigger than me mm-hmm. that exists outside of me. And to mm-hmm. me, that is, that is, that is helping others. Mm-hmm. And without that, um, that, and that was a big struggle for me in 2020 when all mm-hmm. events shut down, all mm-hmm. my charity events. I mean, we had some virtual things, but it's, it wasn't the same and it, mm-hmm. it plummeted dramatically and not being able to help other people. That was, that was a real bear to deal with and, mm-hmm. and a real grind on, on my own mental health and, and, you know, really sent me inward. And mm-hmm. so rather than helping other people in 2020 by taking this class, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to help myself mm-hmm. and, which in turn has a ripple effect helped other people. Right. And so today, in a way of helping, is there a tip or a, a word of encouragement that you'd like to give to artists listening who may be looking at your work thinking, I want to paint like Steven. How did he get there? Am I ever going to get there? What would you say to that artist who's just that step behind you, who's, you know, persevering to make it? Give yourself permission to suck. Um, sucking at something is the step first step to being pretty good at something mm-hmm. giving yourself permission to fail mm-hmm. I- embracing that and that knowing that that's a part of the process and to mm-hmm. think you know if you do fail or if a piece doesn't turn out in the way that you wanted to that's something I hear a lot of artists struggle with is that they envision what a piece is going to look like and they're so disappointed with the reality versus their own expectation And also, you know, one of my my favorite sayings is that don't get caught up in comparing yourself to other artists. There there will always be somebody who's better than you at art. Comparison is a thief of joy. Mm -hmm. Looking at Facebook and comparing your art to other people, comparing your life to other people, like, oh, I don't have the house I want. I don't have the car that I want. I don't have the, the partner that I want, whatever it is, man don't don't do that take moments to look back and be grateful and think about the things that you have and think back to the time when you didn't have those things when you were that person that was like man what that person that you were in the past what they would give to be who you are now and i guarantee you, you'll find a lot of things and that's you know where gratitude journaling comes in and taking time to figure out what are the things that i'm grateful for and that that often helps pull pull me and others out of a rut Mm-hmm. I love that advice. Thank you so much. And uh, we've really enjoyed having you on the show, Stephen. Uh, thank you. I, I love being on here. I could go for another hour, but I know you got things to do. <laughs> I know. We could, all, we could all talk about art all day. And it's really such an amazing opportunity at the Bold Artist Podcast to be able to give artists voices and allow us to talk about art, talk about what we love, and in you know be encouraging each other in the meantime. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing all your insight and your journey. And we wish you all the best with your artwork and all that's ahead of you, Stephen. Thank you. Thanks for watching and listening, everyone. I just want to remind you that we are also on Instagram at 
Bold Artist Podcast. You can just hop on over to Instagram and join in the conversation there. Leave a comment, ask the artist a question. You can even leave us topic ideas. We'd love to hear from you. So at Bold Artist Podcast on Instagram. And until next episode, keep creating.